Hello and welcome to The Lost Glory. My name's Dave Marquis, pastor of Follies End in uh, Croydon. And uh, thank you so much, first of all, for all the many uh, phone calls that I've been receiving and letters of encouragement. Some of you seem to be really enjoying uh, our series here on Premier Radio. My thoughts on the subject of creativity are the result of a 40-year-old personal pilgrimage, both as a pagan and a committed Christian. They're inevitably a compilation of personal revelation, that which I've learned from both Christians and non-Christian men and women, authors, teachers, artists, who have helped to shape my own thinking over the years. And because I'm a musician first and foremost, naturally many of the illustrations I use are musical ones. But I trust that you'll be able to learn from the broad principles outlined and apply them to your own specific calling. I earnestly hope and pray that these broadcasts will go some way in helping you to come to terms with the creative gift that God has given you. Occasionally, we'll come up with a salah, a term used throughout the Psalms, which means literally thinking about it. Please consider the following thoughts and pray through them for yourself. Bad will be the day for every man when he becomes absolutely content with the life that he's living, with the thoughts that he's thinking, with the deeds that he's doing, when there is not forever beating at the doors of his soul some great desire to do something larger, which he knows that he was meant and made to do because he is still, in spite of it all, a child of God. That was written by a man called Philip Brooks in the 1890s. Uh, and before we start this week's program, I'd like to pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your creative gift that you've given me. I fully accept it from you. I will respect and honour it, and I'll do my very best to make it better, to increase and plant it so that it may increase and be effective. I make a decision to allow you to speak to me and to guide me and work in me so that I can discover more about my destiny in you. Amen. The history and development of music and the historical attitude of the church towards it is of great concern to me. Something went wrong. It's clear that it did. Because throughout history there's been an uneasy tension between the church and those who have sought to bring creative variety to its worship. And yet the Bible points to a very different scenario. Consider the Bible itself for a moment. Among other things, it's surely the greatest worship book the world has ever known. There are songs, poems, meditation, prayers and prose, arguably the greatest ever written. With such variety at our disposal, how can worship become routine? Throughout church history, there, there have been differences of opinion about the use of music in worship. There has been great controversy over its validity and even a question mark over the need for music in the church at all. Theologians have hotly debated this issue for years, but the winds of change are thankfully blowing again. The church desperately needs a fresh understanding of the biblical importance of the ministry of worship as a whole and including musical worship, and creative people need a good answer for those theologians who would try to persuade us otherwise. I believe the heart of the issue, and one that we need to think through, is who owns creativity. I believe the heart of the issue is that we need to think again about who owns creativity. What is the purpose of it? Why do we have it? Did it originate with man or someone else? Before we complicate this debate by discussing styles or forms, let's answer this question. Who owns the copyright? There are only three possibilities. It either originated with God, the devil, or man. 
For example, Scripture suggests that music originated in the very heart of God. It says in our Bible that right at the dawn of creation, the angels sang and there was heavenly music. See Job 38 verses 4 to 7. God created the planets and set them all in orbit. He set the stars in the heavens and composed his incredible universe. Creation itself is a wonderful, moving sound and light show. It's the most wonderful thing you could ever think of. There is a melody and a harmony in creation itself that reveals God's musical heart. We must also look back at real historical events surrounding the dawn of creation that reveal God's original intentions for the use of music. Scripture teaches that God created the angelic hosts of heaven and they became a heavenly choir that sang at creation. Many Bible scholars believe that someone called Lucifer was the original identity of Satan before he fell. If we look in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. Having said that, there are other theories regarding these scriptures that I want to briefly review. But Isaiah 14 verses 12 to 15 is a key passage in this debate. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cast down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit." Technically, the name Lucifer is not from the Hebrew Bible. It found its way into Scripture via the King James Version of the Bible through Middle English, Old English, and Latin, which is called the Vulgate. And this was as an interpretation of the Hebrew word Hellel. The Latin word literally means light-bearing one, from lux, light, and ferre, to bear. Lux ferre. The Hebrew word halal is derived from halal, meaning to shine. It's different from another Hebrew root which uses the same letters. Halal, meaning to praise. Transliterated, the phrase referred to Lucifer in Isaiah 14, verse 12 in Hebrew would read, O halal, son of the dawn, son of the morning. This derivative halal occurs as a proper name only once in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 14, verse 12. Otherwise, it occurs six times in the Old Testament in poetic or mythical settings in Job 29, verse 3, 31 and 26, Isaiah 60, and verse 19, Joel chapter 2, verse 31, or settings of judgment in Isaiah 13, 13, Ezekiel 32, 7, and Joel 2, 10 and is always connected with a sense of shining of heavenly bodies, the sun, moon, and stars. One theory is that the description in Isaiah 14 bears similarities to a Canaanite myth of a dawn goddess who attempted to ascend to heaven and was sentenced to be thrown down to Sheol forever. Evidence for this point of view may be found in the words Ha-Moed, Mount of Assembly, and the name Tzaphon, which means Mountain of the North both resembling the Canaanite mountain of the gods, a common motive in the ancient Near East. If these allusions to ancient Canaanite suspicion are correct, 
then in this Old Testament passage, the Lord is essentially mocking their pagan gods while stating the truth that only he is the Lord over all. But how typical of our enemy Satan, trying to pass himself off as some ancient mythical deity in order to throw a smokescreen around his true identity and purpose. Another view is that the passage seems clearly to be a taunt song against the king of Babylon in Isaiah's time, in Isaiah 14 verse 4, who later in the Bible is used as a prefiguration of the beast who will lead Babylon in the last days, Revelation 13, 4 and 17 verse 3. My firm belief, however, given the prophetic nature of the book of Isaiah, which often foreshadows future events while commenting on current ones, is that none of these possible interpretations ought to be thought of as mutually exclusive. Hebrew is a rich language. It doesn't always mean one and only one thing. In this case, Isaiah is prophesying against the human ruler, the king of Babylon, as well as against the principalities and powers behind that ruler, the Canaanite or Babylonian mythologies, and giving insight into the character, nature and fate of the chief antagonist of God's will in the heavenly realm, Satan, who wanted to be like the Most High and who tempted Adam and Eve. His malignant personality was behind the activities of this earthly ruler. Similarly, Charles Feinberg, commenting on the Ezekiel 28 passage, said, Ezekiel appeared to have the situation of his day in mind with his attention riveted upon the ruler of Tyre. But as he viewed the thoughts and ways of that monarch, he clearly discerned behind him the motivating force and personality who was impelling him and his opposition to God. In short, he saw the work and activity of Satan, whom the king of Tyre was emulating. Dr. W.A. Cresswell also confirms this view by saying, This lamentation directed towards the king of Tyre defies explanation unless an allusion is being made to that malignant spiritual being called Satan or the devil for whom the king of Tyre becomes a type. Sometime prior to the creation of the natural order, Satan became vain about his beauty and position and his heart became rebellious against God. Apparently, he was able to secure a considerable following among the angels, resulting in the expulsion of himself and his followers from heaven. See Luke 10 verse 18, 2 Peter 2 4, Jude 6 and Revelation 12 verse 4. If Satan and Lucifer were the same person, then the Bible suggests that he was heaven's choir leader. His original identity as the son of the morning reveals a strong connection to the dawn of creation himself. He was an anointed cherub with a distinct anointing for ministry. Ezekiel 28 reveals him as the covering cherub, covering the throne of God on the mountain of God. He was created perfect in beauty and was full of wisdom, the heavenly archangel in Eden, the paradise of God. He was clothed as a priest with precious stones in his garments, made to reflect God's glory as the light bearer, and was the most beautiful of all God's creation. The King James Version of the Bible says that he had the workmanship of tablets and pipes actually inside him the day he was created. In other words, he literally was music, and God was able to sing through this archangel and create music through him. This was his ministry. The very breath of God would come through him and create beautiful sounds. God would play him like an instrument, but he became proud of his own beauty and it corrupted him. He wanted to keep all the beautiful worship for himself. He forgot that God had given him his gifts and abilities. Thanks for joining me this week. Um, in the meantime, take care of yourself.
and be kind to one another.